This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Right. So, this week's parasha, parasha Yishlach Yakam Alochim. Before I get to that, I want to do a little thing, a little interactive shear with you tonight, a little bit, a little bit. Um, so I'll tell you what I did with my class. I'm going to do it here. Okay. The following. First of all, there's a beautiful Medrash Rabba. Last week we talked about going up the ladder, right? Is that what we spoke about last week, going up the ladder? You got to get on the ladder, right? Yaakov, Yaakov didn't get on the ladder. He didn't want to get on the ladder. Oh, it's actually the chido. Okay, so this is what I did. This is what I did with my class this week. So I asked them. We do it tonight. You're actually going to be involved in the share, everybody. Okay, we're going to go row by row. Sorry, I know some people are very bashful, but it's um, but it's important. It's important. So everyone here knows what an adjective is? Yes. Right? Something is colorful, something is fantastic, something is powerful, right? Something is soft, something is hard. It describes the what? Describes the noun. So whatever we're talking about, it describes, okay. So I'm gonna go around the room, and we're gonna go ask each person. So it may not be good, so good for the tape, but we don't, the shear is not for taping, the shear is for, for you. We're gonna ask the following question. I want you to describe to me in a one one word adjective how you see Judaism and the Torah. Okay, so you think about it for a minute. One word adjective. How you see Judaism and the Torah in a one word adjective. Malky, you ready? How would you what, how would you say that? You're describing the noun. The noun is Torah Judaism. How would you describe that noun? Beautiful. If somebody says an answer that you agree with, you just can say that answer, and we'll put a check next to it. We're giving everyone a chance tonight. Everybody. Yes. How would you describe it? We're going to learn something very fascinating tonight. How would you describe it? So uh, beautiful is fine. If that's how you feel, beautiful. Say it out loud. I, I mean, I'll repeat it, but okay. Spiritual. Spiritual. I never wrote so much. I'm not sure. <laughs> what? Beautiful. Deep. deep. Okay. Good. Deep. Go ahead. Spiritual gets a check. Living. Ooh. Wow, I knew I shouldn't have had her in this. Now she blew my whole share. Living. Living, living, life. We'll call it life. Life is a better adjective. Life. Life. Living. No, you can't change. No. That's no copycatting. Yes. Not yet. We're going row by row. What? Go ahead. Good word. Good word. 
Fascinating. Don't say what you want me to hear. Say what you what you really say what you really feel. Challenging. Challenging. That's truthful. That's a true answer. We're gonna get. We're gonna get there. Go ahead. Transcending. She's probably a 4.0. Transcending. It's good. It's good you can't read that because you don't know what I'm spelling wrong. So it's good. Transcending. Whoa. Nobody so far, and I've done this. Nobody ever used that word. That is very original. Transcending. Go ahead. Okay, beautiful is on the road. Beautiful is on the beautiful is on the move. Go ahead. Loving. Okay. Truth, truthful. Complex. Uniting. Uniting. I got that. Okay. Torah's Achdos. Uh, where are we? If you could stand up, because I as we go down the road, so that <laughs> describe describe the adjective. It's indescribable. No, okay. What you're saying is there's no there's no adjective for it. Shh, you hear that? There's no adjective for it. Okay, that's the first time I ever got that answer. Good answer. Yeah, go ahead. I think we got one of those. Did we get that? Yeah. Okay. Organizing. Okay. Seder. What? One second. Right. Organizing. Happiness. Simcha. Okay. Go ahead. Now you got your chance. Life. Okay. Okay. Living. Next row. You got to stand up because I can't see you. Next row. Okay. Uplifting. Connecting, fulfilling. Okay. Spiritual. Incredible. Where are we? Where are we up to? We lost our track here. You got to stand up. Yeah, go ahead. Clarity, big one. This is a very smart class. All right, we got that. Let's see where that is. Unity, achtas, achtas, achtas. Anyone else? What? Directional. Directional. Miriam? You find it simple? Well, ultimately, of course it's complex, but... It breaks everything down. 
Everybody answered? What? Back row. Yes. Fun. Nobody ever said that. Nice. Nice. Nobody ever answered that one. I don't know where that came from, but yes, I agree. But I agree. It is fun. Purim, Hanukkah, matzah balls. Come on, it's fun. I can't hear you. She has to get up. I can't hear her. What? Medicinal. Medicinal. Yes. What? Godly. Anyone else? Exceptional. I never knew there were this many. All right, I have to stand up. Where's my? Do we have one here? We don't have one here. Oh, we do have one here. Can't do this sitting down because I can't see anybody. The camera. They think I left. The people who are watching. How can he left? Why did he leave? Great answers. Great answers. All right. We're going to go over this soon. Next question. Let's do this again. Next question is, describe to me something in this world that in your eyes is beautiful. It could be sunrise, sunset, flower, a bug, a, zit, a tree, art, poems, words, whatever it is. Whatever you decide, you tell, describe to me something, Mark, in this world that you find beautiful. Only Hashem. Only Hashem? Is that an, is that, is that? Okay, so, sh- so one second. The word beautiful describes an object, right? Or thought, a poem can be beautiful, painting can be beautiful. Um, how do you explain that? Hashem is beautiful? I mean, you, never, you don't know what he looks like. What does that mean? But everything is not beautiful. So it's really an emotional reaction what you're saying. It doesn't really make sense. Logically, you can't say it's be- beauty is a beautiful car, beautiful person, beautiful house, beautiful sunset, a beautiful sunrise. Hashem created all these things that are beautiful. But you and your heart see Him as beautiful. It's fine. I, I, beautiful, beautiful. Not awesome, not amazing. Beautiful. What do you think is beautiful in this world? Yeah. Music. Yeah, yeah. Um, yes. <laughs> She's a poet, so it's not so easy. Mountaintops. Mountaintops. Because they get me in touch with God. You know why you love mountaintops? Because when you're on the bottom and you're looking up, it's beautiful. And when you're on the mountaintop and you're looking down, what you see is beautiful. So the mountaintop, either if, even if you're on the bottom of the mountain or on top of the mountain, it always looks beautiful. It's your poet, so you see both sides. Right? Yeah. I'm reading your mind. Okay. What do you think is beautiful? Yeah. I think when the um, leaves change colors. Autumn. Autumn. And one time I was in the country 
And there's this tree that was so red, we called it the burning bush. That was awesome. That was beautiful. On the lake. Oh, wow. Sunrise. What do you think is beautiful? Sunrise. Sunrise? Sunset. <laughs> what do you think? Fiddler on the roof? <laughs> what else? Anybody? Yes. Childbirth. Uh huh. You're not gonna, that won't be the description you'll be using when you give birth. You might say amazing. I don't think you'll be like, this is beautiful. Yeah, give me another epidural. This is beautiful. Right, okay. Right, yes. Soul is beautiful. It's her, this is her, this is her perception. I agree. It's her perception. You can't see God either. There are thoughts that are beautiful, but you can't see them. Nature. Well, we're looking... Okay, that's very general. Ocean, nature, mountaintop. Whoa! Where'd that come from? A Balchuva is beautiful. Okay. What? I wrote, I wrote, I wrote, I wrote it right away. I wrote music. I didn't write music. Torah? Okay. I, I'm not arguing. Okay. All right. So this is very, very fascinating. The question is, it's very nice what we're saying, but do we really believe it? Do we really believe all these, th- all these adjectives that we said? If we did, if we really believed it, we would treat our Torah with fantastic, exceptional, beautiful, and joyous, spiritual, deep, living a gift of connection, fascinating, peaceful, and challenging, transcending and loving, complex with achdus, indescribable, organizing, real happiness, glorious consistency, uplifting, connecting, fulfilling, spiritual, incredible, clarity, meaningful, internal, intellectual, Directional, I don't know if that's a word, but okay. Directional, simplicity, it's fun, it's medicinal and godly. How come we're not acting out what we are saying? So are we? Are, are we, are we living, are, are we willing to, is anyone in this room willing to sit in a room with Torah and give up their movies and their iPhone? And their technology. Because if it's fascinating and beautiful and uplifting and spiritual and all these adjectives that we used, right? If it's really true and really feel that way, then we would be definitely treating Yiddishkeit and Judaism in a very, very different way. So this is a fantastic thing because I really should have, I should print this out and give it out to you next week in Mitzvah because you should look at this and say, I sat in a class where the girls in this class described the Torah and Judaism as fantastic, as exceptional, as beautiful, as joyous. Because that's not the way we look at it. We look at it much more, and I'll, I'll tell you some of the girls who really wrote the truth. Um, so this is what I got in, this is what I got in, in seminary, okay? Um, which class is this? Yeah. Indescribable, powerful, inspiring, guidance, mind-boggling and this girl that wrote that said mind-boggling my whole share is on her phone I'm like mind-boggling 
If the Torah is mind-boggling, why aren't you listening to my shear? Okay, mind-boggling. Beautiful, peace of mind, meaningful, rigid, boyish. I said, boyish? The Torah and Yiddishkeit is boyish? She goes, yeah, it's very chauvinistic. So she's telling the truth. She looks at it as boyish, interesting, intense, happiness, mindfulness, essential, truthful, spiritual, reality, great, suffocating. It's fine. She told how she, she said how she feels. Fulfilling, annoying. Interesting class I have, no? Uh, fathomless, nourishing, deep, inclusive, and overwhelming. Okay. Then I asked um, them to do it. We don't have time to do this tonight. I asked them, what part of Yiddishkeit do they think is beautiful? What part of your Yiddishkeit is beautiful? It would take us too long because I have to get to my shir. And they wrote, Chesed, Clarity, Mikvah, Sukkish, Shabbos, Tassim, Mishpacha, Prayer, Shemenigia, Unity, Rosh Chodesh. I don't know where that girl got that from, but that's cute. Uh, Mitzvah's Gerez, Mitzvah, Marriage, Yantiv, Kirov Aim, Family, 39 Malachas on Shabbos. She likes details. Okay. <laughs> Jewish children, Spiritual Gulf, Tzniyus, Zmiris, Kirov, Reading the Torah. She likes that. Choice, Learning, Kosher, and what I said is that the most beautiful part of, and that's really what my show is all about, and I could sit down, the most, the most beautiful part of Yiddishkeit, what's the most beautiful part of Judaism and the Torah? Is it lighting Shabbos candles? Is it Purim? Is it Chanukah? Is it Tzniyus? Is it Tarot HaMeshbacha? What? Chesed. To That's the answer. The beauty of Judaism and the beauty of the Torah, it is a way to connect to Hashem. If it's not a way to connect to Hashem, then it doesn't really have beauty because the Nazis did chesed also. They, they were very nice to their dogs. And they made sure if a dog got injured that they would bring him to the dog doctor and take care of him. There are people who do chesed. We're not connected to, at all to Hashem. The, the objective of Judaism and the objective, we're, we're going to see why I'm telling you all this. The objective of, of the mitzvahs, of all these things that we do, is to connect us to God. If it does not connect us to God, it is missing the main ingredient. And you said, very good, Malka. You stole my share. And the, and, when you say what is beautiful, you can't really describe God as beautiful, but some people in their hearts, they have developed a relationship with Hashem that just like a wife would say, my husband is, okay, we use the word handsome, but a husband would say, my wife is beautiful. You ever, you ever hear this the saying, my wife is beautiful, my, this person is beautiful inside and out. How can you be beautiful inside? A human body inside is not beautiful. It's downright ugly. Our organs are ugly. So what does it mean when you say, oh, this person, you know, sometimes you get the description you know, about a boy, you know, is he, is, he, is, he, is he, you know, is he like, is he handsome? And they're like, listen, inside, he's the most beautiful guy in the world. And you're like, and you're like wow, what does that mean? It means spiritually. It means emotionally. So, so HaKadosh Baruch Hu, it's me, it's a, it's a bunch of things put together. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, when, when Malka is saying that Describing God as beautiful, right? That might sound a little weird. What she's saying that in my heart, my relationship with Hashem is just a beautiful thing. We had, um, we had a 
fascinating last night we had here in Ornava um, a couple's uh, sh- um, Shalom Bias project. And we expected maybe 50 people. 120 people with 60 couples. And the last question that they asked, we had, a, we, we had two speakers, and then we had a panel, myself, Rabbi Lamb, and, and Rabbi Tversky. And, and, uh, and I'm able to talk two minutes about this. The last question that the moderator asked us is, what's special about marriage? In other words, what's, what's, what's the beauty of, of being married? Right? So I said, I, I, what I said was, when you know that, uh, we're talking about a good marriage here, when you know that there's another person in this world that is there for you, and that looks at you with that look that you're the only one, that feeling, you, you can only get in a marriage. And because your kids, they look at you, they look at your husband, you know, they look at their uncles, they look at their teachers. But a husband and wife, and that's why that first look when they look at each other, I always, I tell everybody, I always go up to the chup, they think I'm weird. But um, the first look when, when he's about to break the glass, so she, you know, she has the ring, they did the ksuva, she walked around, you know, seven times, she went around them seven times, and, and so the last thing he does is break the glass, right? She's waiting for him to break the glass, because once you break the glass, it's malata, we're done, we're married. So she, you know, he, he has his foot, and he's, they put the glass underneath, so she's always looking at him like, break the glass, you know what I mean? Let's, we're almost there, right? And, and she has this look at him like he's the only person in the world. And after he breaks his glass, he looks at her, and then everyone jumps on them. They don't look at each other for a couple more hours, but because they're on both sides of the mechitza. But um, but Lamaisa, that look is so unbelievable because because in a world with so many people, you found someone that's the only one. And I explained to you once before, echad echad. That look that there's only one. That is what Malka is talking about. That is the beauty of knowing that Hashem is echad and He's the only one and He has your back. And it's a marriage. The way the way that Shlomo Melech writes Shir Hashirim, right, is that it's a marriage. Hashem is the chassan and we're the kala. It's a marriage. And that when Mashiach comes, we're going to be marching to Eretz Yisrael to the Beit HaMikdash, which is like the chuppah. And, and the guy are going to be standing on the side. And they're all going to stand up when the kala walks. And I'm like, I, I, I got to see what that looks like. So when I see the kala looking at the chassan, I'm thinking that's how Christ when Mashiach comes when we really know Hashem Echad Shmo Echad He's the only one and we suffered and we went all this and we're still here Hashem you are the only one I need to know what that look what does that look like what does that look like so when I see her looking at him like that like you are my man you're my man and that's why women very much and they were discussing it last night it was it was very fascinating I'll just tell you one little piece that this rabbi spoke about last night and he said he told the story and he said this guy comes home and they're struggling with their panasa, making a living. They're struggling. And he comes home, and it ha- he's trying to reach this guy, the biggest business deal of his life. And he's been trying to reach this guy forever and ever and ever. And the guy never calls him back. Never calls him back. He walks in at 7 o'clock. Every night he comes home at 7 o'clock. He walks in at 7 o'clock. His phone rings. It's the guy. And he walks into the kitchen, and supper's set. His wife is sitting down. And he says, it's him, the million-dollar deal that we were waiting for. It's him. And he talks for an hour, and he doesn't talk to her because he's on the phone, deal, they're making the deal, whatever it is. And he 
and he hangs up the phone, and in five minutes he has to go to yeshiva, to, he has to go to his myriv and to his shear, and she's like, I don't, I'm, I'm done, I'm, supper's over, I'm sitting here for an hour, I'm, I'm going to the room, have a good day, and he's like, I don't understand, we're, we're, we're struggling, I don't understand, like, how could you be angry at me? You should be jumping up for, you should be jumping up for joy. How could you be angry at me? Right? So, the rabbi posed the question. Who's wrong? Is she wrong? Or is he wrong? Hello? He's trying to make a living. What is he doing? Right? And, and what's his argument when she runs into her room and she's like, I'm done. I wait a few for an hour for supper. I'm not eating supper anymore. Supper's over. Go to your share. Right? So, he says to her, which is normal for a guy to say, I don't understand. You're angry at me? Who's going to spend the money that I just made? I mean, I'm doing this for us. So, so he asked the crowd, is he right or is she right? So it was a very good question. Because Lamaisa, she's waiting for supper. Do your business when you're supposed to do your business. He's saying, this guy never called me back. He finally called me back. Right? She's saying, so he called you back. So you should have said, um, and maybe he would have even given you a bigger order if you would have said, uh, I just, um, I'm going, I, every night I eat something with my wife. It's on the table. It's hot. She made it for me. So I'm going to call you back. The guy would have said, wow, he's, this guy knows how to have a relationship. He knows how to be committed. If he's committed to her, now he's going to be, you know, I want to do business with him because now he's going to be, you know, committed. It's a very famous story with someone that I actually know who was trying to get into a law firm, a very, 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 very big law firm. And it was a Boston, very waspy type of law firm where, that, you know, religion and Jews and all that. He didn't think that he would, you know, he wanted to make junior partner. That's what he was trying to do. He was a very brilliant boy and he came out of law school on the highest level and he wanted to make junior partner. And he has this meeting where they're going to meet him and they're going to decide, right? He's coming to this, comp- from this, this law firm, from a New York law firm. So this Boston law firm is going to make a lot of money, like a million dollars being a junior partner. And he's, he, he's down on the, he's getting into the elevator and he's wearing his yarmulke and he's like, there's no way. If I wear a yarmulke and I sit down in front of these three guys, four guys, it was, it was, uh, three Irish names, like, you know, McLaren and Venom and Bennett, right? So he knew there's no Jews there. So he's like, I should put the yarmulke in my pocket. You know what I mean? I don't have to flash in front of them that I'm Jewish. So he's, he's deci- he said the story over. I heard him say the story over. And he's deciding and he's deciding and he's like, I don't know what to do. And as he's like getting out of the elevator before he goes into this boardroom, the partners, you have to understand a law firm, the senior partners are meeting him. It's like in a huge Boston law firm. This is big. This is very big, right? And that, and he comes out and he puts the yarmulke in his pocket. And he walks, and he walks, and he comes through, and they open the boardroom, and he sits down. And there's three guys sitting there. What he didn't know is what happens in law firms is, let's say, the guys who opened the law firm originally well, let's say, you know, William, William Smith and uh, McLaren. But when they retire, right, so there's new lawyers that take over those positions. They could be Jewish. But the law firm name stays the same because that's the famous law firm. So now you can have a freedman who's actually one of the partners in Smith. So he sits down and they start asking him all kinds of questions, uh, this and that, this and that, this and that. And he sees there's one guy sitting there who's not asking any questions. Two of the partners are asking questions. What school did you go to? I went to Harvard. Did you have a 4.0, 4.0? Where did you work? What type, what type of law do you want to practice? But this other guy is not asking him any questions. Anyway, they meet him, whatever it is, and they tell him to come back the next day. They'll let him know if he got the job. 
the next day he comes to the receptionist. The receptionist says, uh, Friedman, the, one of the, one of the partners, he's, um, would like, he has the answer for you, he'll meet you in his office. This kid, this lawyer, walks into the office. This guy Friedman, he's not wearing a yarmulke. He's not from nothing, whatever it is. And he says, I'm really sorry, but we don't have a place for you in this law firm. He says, Wait, why? What did I do wrong? You didn't even ask me a question. He says, are you orthodox? He goes, yeah. He says, so for money and a job, you were willing to to take your, your cap and put it in your pocket? So how could you work for me? Someone's going to offer you money, and you're, you're going to give away the whole deal. He says, I can't trust you. The guy stood there. He, he didn't get the job. He said, never take your, 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 your skull cap off for anybody. He says, that's what you represent. Don't sell out for money. That's, that's, that's the problem that, so all the stuff that we just said over here, right? So what's happening here is that maybe if he would have told that guy who called, I just walked into my house, my wife just put down a hot supper she worked so hard for, could I call you back in a half an hour? The guy would have said, you know, I don't have such a relationship with my wife. You have such a relationship, I want to deal with you. I want to do business with you. Tell you a story of my father, my father, my father, Oliver Shalom. So, I think I've told this maybe by his yard site. So, my father was a businessman, and one of the biggest co- women's clothing companies, department stores, many years ago, was a store called Petrie's. It was clothing. They're not in business anymore. Very, very, very huge. And my father wanted their business. One of the richest Jews alive was Milton Petrie. You can Google him tonight. He was one of the richest Jews alive, not religious, nothing. But now he had, was he married? He was married. We had these two women that were right underneath him, the presidents, and he had a dog. Okay. Anyway, so my father was very, was making bags, plastic bags in Israel. That's where he would not deal with China, even though you could buy bags much cheaper. He was very much into helping Eretz Yisrael. Help Eretz Yisrael. You give people business. So he was one of the major exporters of Sakiot nylon, plastic bags, from Eretz Yisrael. Petrie, Milton Petrie, was one of the biggest givers to the Israeli government. So my whole, fa- my whole father's way of getting into him was, I'm bringing the bags to Israel. You're trying to help Israel. So Milton Petrie said, fine. I'll meet you. This is the chairman of the board. This is the owner of Pete. He's worth a hundred million, a billion, a crazy, crazy amount of money. And he's, he's meeting Mr. Wallstein, who wants to import plastic bags to bring it to his stores. So my father said, let's, you know, he said, let's go out to eat. Luigi Siegel's, at that time, Luigi Siegel's in Manhattan was one of the only OU kosher restaurants. So my father took my mother wherever he went. She was like his secretary. So he comes with my mother to this meeting with Milton Petrie, to get the biggest order of his life. And they sit down, and Petrie came very late. He came very, very late. So it was time for Mincha. For my father, he figured that they were eating at five. It was in the summer, Mincha's at eight. He'd have enough time. But Petrie showed up very late. So my father had this problem. Petrie's sitting there, Milton Petrie. My father's sitting there with my mother. They start talking over dinner. And he sees on his watch that Mincha is like in a couple of minutes. And what are you going to do? But, but Lamaisa, I can't get up, you can't get up and walk out on the guy. Milton Petrie. So he told, my mother always tells us this story. I mean, I know it's, my father said it over many times. So, so my father turns to my mother and he says, you entertain him. In other words, talk to him. I'm going to leave 
and I'm going to go down the mincha down the block. My father, every shul was in Manhattan, and we're down the mincha myriv, and I'll come back. My mother, like, uh, he's like, just do it, okay? So she sat there for like 40 minutes, half an hour, 40 minutes, just making conversation with this guy. Now, Peachy thought my father went to the bathroom. <laughs> the guy gets up. The guy gets up. The chairman of the board of a company and walks out in the middle of dinner, and leaves his wife, leaves him with his wife. He figured my father went to battle. He doesn't feel it, whatever it is. It's the biggest line. So my father comes back and he sits down. And Peachy says, "Mr. Walston, are you okay? <laughs> like, where have you been? You know, he was a big shot. Was, where have you been? Like, you walked out on me. Where have you been for the last thirty-five minutes?" And my father says, "I would just like to excuse myself. I know that you're the chairman of the board of Petrie." But I went to meet the chairman of the board of the world. That's what he said. And Petrie said, he didn't understand, Milton. He said, what are you, what are you, what are you, what are you talking about? You're the chairman of the board of the world? He says, yeah. He says, I'm an Orthodox Jew. And three times a day, we have to report to the chairman of the board what's going on. Just like your workers. And I set this up so that I would be able to sit with you for two, three hours and then go pray. But, you, can, you know, the, the situation. So I'm really sorry. I apologize. But... As, as important as your order is for me, it's more important that I, that I don't miss my appointment with the chairman of the board of the world, my father said. He looks at my father and says, Wallstein, I don't need to know anything about your business. You have my business. And my father looked at him and they were, became the best of friends. And until Mr. Petrie died and Petrie ended up closing... He had all their business. So many people came in with I'll have better prices and better this and this. And Petrie said, you, this is, he quote, quote, because Hilda, who was his assistant, told my father, you don't know how many people came to Milton with connections that he should buy bags from them. And Pete, Mr. Petrie used to always tell them, Mr. Wallerstein talks to the chairman of the world. You don't. I really want to do business with someone who, who talks to the chairman, the, the chairman of the board of the world, and that led him to other business and other business because he did their business, and it, and it was and it was the biggest book. Yeah, you wrote a lot of things here, beautiful, all that stuff. You have to believe what you wrote. You have to believe that he, that Torah and mitzvahs and that God is the chairman of the board. You have to believe everything when you want. When you start listening, I don't want to start up with your music, right? But when you start listening to all that music and that stuff that you shouldn't be listening to and all that that garbage, right? You gotta remember, but I have something fantastic, exceptional, beautiful, and spiritual and deep. What am I listening to? Something that's empty and angry. So, yeah, it's very nice what we did here tonight, but you have to believe what you said. So every girl, I don't know what every girl said, each one individually, but whatever you said, you should write it down on a piece of paper, put it next to your bed, and every time you decide you want to watch some movie about some nonsense that doesn't, that's not really real, go look at what you said, what is real. And what is spiritual, and what is happy, and what is glorious, and what is uplifting. This, you, you I didn't say this, I'm not, I didn't give this share tonight. All, you, all of you in this room, you gave this share tonight. You said the Torah is fantastic. You said it's peaceful. You said it's transcending. Whoa. You said it's intelligent. Don't you want to be intelligent? Incredible. Uplifting. Wow, look at all these adjectives. I didn't say that tonight. I didn't get up and say, okay, right, Walsney feels that... You all said that. So listen to what you said. Somebody here said, it's a gift. Do you really believe that? What do you do with a gift? You take care of it. You wrap it. You unwrap it. You look at it. You read the cards! 
Why did I get this gift? Who's giving me this gift? You gave the shit tonight. I didn't give the shit tonight. Your wealthy didn't show up tonight. 40 girls showed up tonight and gave a share, each one of you. And each one of you knows what you said. I don't know what you said. But you know whatever you said tonight, see if it's really true. Go home, write it down on a piece of paper, and see if you really believe what you said. That's the share tonight. Now, why am I, why am I giving you this share? I'll tell you why I'm giving you this share. Because this week, who said about tshuva? Where are you? Remember what you said. That every Balchuva and every time that you want to do something wrong and you don't do it, that's beautiful. Remember that. You said it. Right? In the big words. Beautiful. And then every time you turn off that TV and you throw out that movie and you, you change what your music is and you decide not to do the wrong thing, you can jump around the room and say, I am beautiful. Because I am about Chuva. I went to sleep tonight and said, Hashem, I'm sorry for what I did today. And look in the mirror and say, I went to Red Walton's here and some girl said that I'm beautiful because I did chuva tonight. Wow. Crazy adjectives. I should, I should print this up and put an ad in the news, in the newspaper. This is what Jewish girls think is beautiful in this world. This is the adjective that Jewish girls think of Torah and Mitzvah. And most people will say, you wrote that. They didn't write. I promise you that if I were to take this piece of paper and print this in a newspaper and say, the following was a reaction to my class when I asked for an adjective to describe the Torah and the mitzvot and Judaism. And I would print this in the Jewish journal or the Atet or anything else. The phone calls I would get would say, are you kidding me? You wrote that, Rabbi. They didn't say that. For sure. Because we don't live it. We don't live the Torah that it's so exciting, it's boring, and it's a subject, and why do I have to do this, and Shabbos, and ugh, I hate it, I want to go shopping, I want to get on my phone, so we don't really believe what we wrote here, we don't really believe what we wrote here, but, this list, and I will print it, I will have it typed up, and I will give it up, so you can see, if you were in the class, and I'm going to send one up next to you, when I go to the Kaisel, Mitzvah Hashem, I'm going to fold one and put it in the Kaisel, I want you to know Hashem, what your daughters really think of you, what they really think of your Torah, this is what they think in a classroom. And my, my class did the same thing. Only beautiful. Okay, there's some kids that are, that are, that are being, that are challenged and they're saying the truth. They feel restricted. That's fine. You're allowed to say what you really feel. But this is, this is magnificent, but you gotta believe it. And that's this week's passion. I'll tell you why I went through this whole schmooze. And the reason is as follows. In this week's parasha, there was a fight. I talk about this all the time. There was a fight. A one-rounder. Actually, it was more than one round. It was a whole night. And it says that Yaakov fought with the angel, which was, who was the angel? Was Esav. It says in the Pasuk the following, it doesn't say that there was an angel. It says, Vayivase Yaakov Levado, Yaakov was left alone. Vayavek Ish Imo. And a man fought with him. Adalisa Shachar, until Adalisa Shachar. So the, the Rashi says, Vayisafar Ish. They brought up the dust with their feet. They knew nothing because they were fighting. And it brings down that this avak went all the way up to the Kisar cover. This dust went all the way up to God's throne. So the question is, the word fight is not avak, by avak. The word fight is, by yulachem. Muhammad is a fight, by yulachem, and they fought. What's this word, dust? And the answer is magnificent. And the answer is as follows. 
Where did where did where did where did Yaakov get hit in this fight? So so the question is like this. This is what the Pasik says. The, the the first of all, how do we know how do we know it was Ace a beautiful shot? So it, it says he meant an ish. Right? And and Rashi and the Mephoshim say, who was this ish? He wasn't a man, he was an angel. How do you know that ish could be an angel? Because where else did this happen? We see this, no, by Yosef when he got lost. So it says that he asked an ish, where are my brothers? So Rashi says, who's that ish? The Malach Gavriel. So how do you know that when it says ish here, it's not the Malach Gavriel? Well, maybe when it says, if the ish here is the Malach, the ish here is the, is the Malach of Edom, is Esau, then maybe the ish that helped Yosef, what, if ish is a Malach, and here, this came first, this story came first. Yosef, you know, came later. So this story came first. So in this story, the Ish that fought with Yaakov was the Satan. So now the next time it says Ish, and it means an angel, it should also mean the Satan. Why do you differentiate? So a great rabbi said, because here, the Ish was fighting. That's Esau. That's the Yetzirah. There, the Ish was helping. That's Gabriel. Two different Ishes. One was fighting, that's for sure Edom. The one that's helping is for sure the, the, the Malach of the Malach of Kleistro. But what does it say here? By Yaraki lo Yocholo. The, the, the Malach of Esau saw he could not beat Yaakov. By Yiga Bakaf, Yerecho, he hit him, in, he hit him, dislocated his, his groin. But take a Kaf Yaakov. He misplaced it when he was fighting. So, so this doesn't make any sense. He wasn't able to beat him, so then he beat him. Yaakov didn't win this fight. Everyone thinks Yaakov won this fight. Yaakov didn't win this fight. He injured Yaakov. Yaakov couldn't walk. He dislocated his groin. And he went up to Shemayim and sang Shira. So how did Yaakov win this fight? Oh, I heard the most amazing answer on this. How do you, girls, how, how, we, we learned, and he fought with the angel of, of the Satan, and he won. He didn't win. He held on till the morning. In the morning, the mouth said, okay, man, that's it, enough of this business. Whack! And let me go. Where did he win? But we always come out of school. If you ask any kid, so who won the fight? Yaakov won the fight. Yaakov came out injured. The Malach came out without any injury. Where did Yaakov win the fight? And if it says, Kilo Yochalo, right? A whole night he couldn't. Why did he dislocate his, his, his groin the first hit? A whole night he didn't. And now he decided, well, I can't beat him, so I'm going to dislocate him. So the shot, two, two beautiful, so true, very beautiful answers. The answer on that he won the fight is like this. If you're able, when the Satan comes to you, to do an Avera, to do something wrong, if you're able to hold back and not react right away, you pretty 90% of the time won't do the Avera. The Satan is that you have to do it now. Enjoyment right now. Once you get a chance, you have to think about it. You're pretty much... There's, there's a Gemara, and the Gemara says that if a man wants to sin with a woman... He wants to do a sin. So the Gemara says that he shouldn't do it in the town. He should get dressed in black, total black, and go far, far away to another town and find a woman there. So all the rabbis ask, like, why don't you just tell him not to do it? What, what kind of Gemara is that? If you want to be with a woman, you want to be with a Zaina, don't do it in your town. Get dressed in black and go to a faraway city. Gemara say, don't do it! Don't do it! It's an Avera! 
You're giving him ideas how to do it. You're dressed in black. Go to a faraway town. You're giving him ideas how to do this. So Gemara is talking about that a person who, who's, who's going to do the Avera. So the Gemara says, we know better. If you make him dress in black and he has to travel a long time, he's not reacting right away to what, the, in the end he's going to be like, ah, forget it. I don't want to do this anymore. The, 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 the power of the, of the satan is the immediate gratification. That's what he sells. He sells immediate gratification. If it's like, we'll see a movie in three hours, I don't know. You know, after three hours, nah, I don't want to go. You know, right away, right after the Shabbos, we're picking you up. We're going to the movies. It's like, okay. They're like, okay, we'll pick you up in three hours. By the time the, 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 we're coming, I'll be like, I'm tired already. I don't want to go. What happened to Yetzirah? Why don't you want to go? Because, because it wasn't immediate gratification. So um, he won the fight. The fight was that the Satan was trying to get Yaakov doing a very, he held him back a whole night. And he realized the Satan that if you could, Yaakov did not react right away and he held him back a whole, in the end they won't get him. It's the, it's the, in, 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 in diets, right? I'm, I'm sure nobody in this room ever needed to diet, but Rabbi Wallerstein had to diet. So one of the, so I bought a diet book in the airport to read about dieting. So one of the things I found, it was a fascinating book, it said, like, you don't have control. Like, I love potato chips and corn chips and this kind of stuff. So it says, tell yourself, I'm not, you, you come home after the shear, there's a bag of dipsy doodles, right? Tell yourself, I'm going to eat it. But I'm not going to eat it now. I'm going to eat it in an hour. You won't eat it. It mamish works. You won't eat it. But you have, but when you walk in, you're going to eat it unless you push it off. Now, what do you mean? I want... Because after an hour, you thought about it with Dipsy Doodle. It's not good for my sugar. I worked so hard today to lose weight. And, and it, has, it has 140 calories. But when you walk in, you're hungry. Boom, Dipsy Doodles. The winning of the fight, the winning of the fight is holding on to the Yitzhahara till when? Till the sun comes out. If you hold on to him, then you'll get to see what he's all about. If you don't react right away. And it's an interesting diet because it has all these tips. And it's true. It's very, very true. You're sitting there and there's a piece of cake in front of you. And you're like... I'll take, even in a restaurant, okay? You're on a diet, you're doing great, because I, 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 this is my challenge. You're on a diet, you're doing great, there's a piece of chocolate mousse. I love chocolate mousse, right? And there's a big piece of chocolate mousse, and I'm like, I'll take it to go. I won't eat it at home. Nope. Because right now, I'm in the restaurant, it's sitting in front of me, I'm like, chocolate mousse. But once they pack it up and they put it in the box, and it's not sitting in front of me, and I'm not sitting at the meal anymore, and now I'm coming home, like, what are you doing? You're eating moose? You stick it in the refrigerator, and that little white box, it gets old, it gets smelly, and you throw it, you end up throwing it in the garbage. You, you have to, the Yetzirah, you have to be able to hold it and not react right away. So she, so he saw, listen to this, so he saw, Yaakov Avinu saw, the, the Satan saw, he, he's not letting me in. He's not letting me in, he's not, so he said, but I'll tell you what I could do. So I can't hurt him, but I could hurt his kids. So it's a symbolism that he hit him in the groin was to simulate. He could hit him in the same karate chop that he hit him in the groin. He could have hit him in the head. He could have hit him in the neck. He could have taken his, he, right? He dislocated his hip, so to say. He could have definitely dislocated his head. So why did he hit him in the head? Because he had no resistance to hit him in the head. He only had the power to hurt us. We are the children. So the symbolism of hitting Yaakov in the groin where his children come from was to say, I can't get you because you held on to me a whole night. You didn't, you didn't react. You didn't do the Avera. You held on to me. I'm finishing three minutes. You held on to me a whole night. He says, I can't hurt you, but I could hurt your kids. 
I'm going to dislocate your, your, your groin. I'm going to hurt your kids. And how am I going to hurt your kids? No, no one in this room is going to be a guy. No one in this room is going to be Machal Shabbos. And no one in this room is going to eat treif. No, 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 no. I know that. He says, I know Judaism will never end for the Yitzhara. But I'm going to make it very dusty. I'm going to make it very not beautiful. That's the Yitzhara's Koyach. Yitzhara Koyach, and that's why I did this whole thing with you tonight, is annoying, depressing, pressurizing. Why do I have to do this? That's not beautiful. The girls that are in all the magazines, the French styles, that's beautiful. A car is beautiful. A lot of money is beautiful. A, you know, a person, the outwardly, actors and actresses are beautiful. But Yiddishkeit, Judaism, it's not beautiful. It might be a lot of these other things, but it's not beautiful. That's what the Yitzhara wanted. What do you, how do you dull something that's beautiful? How do, you, how do you take a silver, beautiful silver candelabras and make them not so beautiful? Dust. When they're dusty, when your car, you know, you go to a car wash, you know, that whole business, it's a trillion dollar business. Why do we go to a car wash? Does it hurt the car to be dirty? No, it's metal. It doesn't hurt the car. Why do you go? Because the beauty is after you wash it away, but the dust on the car makes it doesn't shine. The hubcaps don't shine and the car doesn't shine. His objective was to take the beauty out of Yiddishkeit. That's what the Satan wanted. And he's done a pretty good job because Judaism today is subject and robotic and it doesn't have the beauty. So Yaakov Avinu got very upset. And Yaakov Avinu said, Be'afko? Also another thing that Duff does, it takes away your clarity. You start making things wrong that are right. It takes away clarity. I remember when I was learning street fighting because I was in Mir Yeshiva in Brooklyn. We were fighting with the Italians. So the first thing they told you in street fighting is that the guy's bigger and he's going to kill you. Take dirt and throw it in his eyes because then he can't see clearly. And if he can't see clearly, he can't see where to punch you. So, so the, we today, we have, we have all this dust and we can't see clearly. We don't have clarity. So Yaakov Avinu said to him, I'm not letting you go. You hurt me. You hurt my children. I am not letting you go. Do you give me a blessing that straightens this out? So the Malach looked at Yaakov and he said, fine, I need you to let me go. So I'm changing your name to Yisrael. From Yaakov to Yisrael. What does the word Yisrael mean? Yashar, Kael. Yashar means straight, clear. Yashar, Kael. He said, I give you a bracha that the Bnei Yisrael your children, because you are so straight and you don't, you're black and white, there's no middle by you. B'nai Yisrael, the children of Yashar Kale, that you will see Hashem straight. The danger, and with this we end, the danger, what Rashi, the Mepharshim was saying, that when Yiddishkeit Judaism is not beautiful, when being, when Tzniyot is not beautiful, but just the opposite, the short skirt is beautiful, when, when the English subjects is something that's beautiful, but the Jewish subjects are not, so you know, I don't do good in Hebrew, but I do good in English, when all the things that we have are not beautiful anymore. So Chazal say that dust, that lackluster beauty, that lack of beauty will end up taking away the beauty of God on his throne. His kisar kavod will become not beautiful. The dust will go all the way to him. And that's why today, more than ever, we have atheism and Judaism and kids who don't believe in Hashem. And we're going through all these hard times because he said, if there's dust on us and dust on our Torah, it will get to the point where you will not see Hashem, where his kisya covered will be covered in dust. And the power of dust, girls, is that you don't see it. All of a sudden in your house, after three days, there's dust, but you don't see it. That's the power of the satan, you don't see it. So to fight him and to win, you have to do what it says in the diet book. You have to push it away and say, no satan, 
I'll do this, but I'll do it later. Later you won't do it anymore. That's the reaction that a person has. To see Mashiach, Thank you. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.